0: We are going to get things started here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to the Reconvobulation Area. My name is Dan Schaefer. I write and publish the Reconvobulation Area, a weekly opinion column, an online publication covering news and politics here in Milwaukee and Wisconsin. We are here today to hear directly from Mayor Cavalier Johnson, everybody give him a hand. Exciting opportunity for this scrappy little publication and I'm excited we get to share this all with you uh, there are a number of topics we want to discuss uh, it's been about two months since you were elected and obviously there are many big issues uh, on the mayor's plate here uh, the mayor's time is limited of course but hopefully we will also have some time to take some questions from you out here in the audience as well uh, beyond the interview that is the highlight of today's event We are also joined by some of the folks from TKWA, uh, the architecture firm working with Boone and Crockett and the Cooperage on a brand new public river walk. You can see those right up here. Uh, It's a very exciting new project and if you stick around after the interview today, you will have the chance to learn more about it, ask some questions uh, from the folks who are directly involved. Um, We also want to take a moment to thank our gracious host today, Boone and Crockett. Everybody give a hand for Boone and Crockett. Uh, we are. We also want to thank our event sponsor. Yes, we have an event sponsor that is Generator. Everybody give a hand for a Generator. Uh, and I want to spe- extend a special thank you. I don't know where she ended up. To my wife, who designed our Recombination Area logo and poster for this event. So, my wife Katie. Um. Without further ado, let's let's recombobulate. Let's do it. So, last time we talked uh, was during the campaign, and you shared your vision for growing the city to a population of one million people. How are we doing on that? Are we close?
1: Well, the commissioner of city development is here, and he's—I don't want to bust him out—but he, he and his partner are having a baby soon, so um, so we're so we're doing we're making some progress here. Uh, <laughs> I encourage all you to make sure you help out uh, by having some babies too. <laughs> One Milwaukeean at a time, right? One Milwaukeean at a time, that's what it takes. That's right.
0: Um, so all seriousness though, there are a few big issues I want to dive into. Uh, I want this to be more of a conversation. You get a lot of interviews that people, uh, you know, pepper, pepper you with questions. I want to be able to have a little bit more of a conversation here. Um, so first issue I want to I jump into is about something that's been in the news lately. Uh, Certainly a topic of discussion among a number of the Recon area readers. Uh, And that's the city of Milwaukee's relationship with the Republican controlled Wisconsin State Legislature. Uh, Obviously been a fraught relationship in the past. You campaigned on kind of resetting that relationship at a recent Milwaukee Press Club event. You called that relationship a partnership. Uh, what is the state of that partnership as you see it right now? And what are some of the tangible goals your office is currently seeking in that partnership?
1: Well, that's a great question. And you know, as I mentioned before, the the relationship between the city government and the state government is fractured, it's broken, it's poor. And it's been that way for roughly 20 years. And I campaigned on you know, this idea that in order to improve uh, our ability to deliver services for the people who live here in the city of Milwaukee, we need to have a better relationship with Madison. And you know, I, I think we've got to be political realists here. The fact of the matter, and, you know, you can like it or not, you know, it's not necessarily my cup of tea. But the fact of the matter is that Republicans control the legislature. They just do. They control the assembly. They control the senate, and they're likely to control it for some time in the future. Um, and so, either we can fight and complain uh, and do all that and get nothing done or we can try to come to some consensus, find some common ground without compromising you know, on the things that are important to us uh, and work together to actually have some deliverables for the people who live in the city. And I think that's what the people who elected me and the people in this city generally want to see. You know they don't want to see this this fractured relationship continue they want to see somebody who stands up and works to have some actual true partnership and so when I, I call it a partnership and I do that intentionally uh, it's aspirational that's what I want it to be that quite frankly that's what it should be between the city uh, and the state and uh, I'll tell you this uh, when I was campaigning for the office, and certainly since I've been uh, in office, you know, I I think we're making some good progress. We're obviously not there yet. I've only been in office, officially elected, um, for about two months, Um, and so we've got some work to do, but just this past Tuesday, um, Speaker Robin Voss was in my office. He was in my office, and I was asking my chief of staff, um, prior to him walking in, I wonder when the last time Robin Boss was in the mayor's office, and he walked in and said, oh, this is the first time I've been in the mayor's office. So we're building those relationships, and just weeks before that, the leader of the state senate, Devin Lemahue, was also in the mayor's office. So we're actively working to build those relationships, and that's so important for the future of the city. So about some of those goals then, what are some of those goals that,
0: when you sit down with Robin Boss, when you sit down with the, uh, the majority leader, what are some of the goals that you're discussing?
1: Now, some of the goals that we're discussing are issues around violence, right? I mean, obviously, you know, we don't control gun law at the local level, at least not to a, uh, the degree that the state government or the federal government controls it. We're just kind of left picking up the pieces. When you think about it, as I do, in terms of systems, right, um, and I use you know this 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 uh, unfortunate incident that I've been talking about all day um, that happened in the city on May 13th downtown. So you think about these systems. Uh, there was a shooting. There was a mass shooting you know, in in the city, and on the state and federal side of the system, you know those folks who actually control gun law and access thereof, right? Um, there is. There's, there's work that's got to be done to make sure that folks who are ill-tempered, folks who are criminals, folks who are domestic abusers, folks who will cause death, harm and destruction in our neighborhoods, that they don't get access to guns. I don't think that's a crazy, you know, political thing to say. Folks who are going to shoot and kill people in our, na- in our neighborhoods shouldn't have access to guns. We shouldn't make it easy for them to do. Unfortunately, it's far too easy to get access to guns, firearms, in Wisconsin, so we need them to change, uh, you know, some laws, you know, at the state level, so that that doesn't happen because there's deadly consequences on the streets of cities uh, like Milwaukee, and not just Milwaukee, by the way. R- Racine uh, was just in the news uh, about recording, you know, I believe double the homicides that they had last year. So we talk about things like that. We also talk about something that I think is. Is critically important to the future of the city, and that's making sure that we have the, the the finances to be able to provide the city services that everybody here, you know, expects and deserves. Right? I, I want for when somebody, for instance, calls the police or the fire department, that they're not waiting for two or you know three hours in order to get a response. I want them to be able to get that response. I want to be able to make improvements to our roadways and not have you know our streets riddled with potholes. know I want our streetlights to actually work Um, but it gets harder and harder to do if we don't have uh, the ability to raise additional revenue and we currently don't but we need the state's permission in order to find new ways to raise revenue for the city.
0: So we all know that the state legislature is not in session right now and won't be for quite some time. Um, When do you expect things to potentially move forward on that shared revenue question because I think it is really is top of mind for so many people when it comes to shared revenue, when it comes to local control. I think there's so many stories that we can point to that illustrate how Milwaukee is put in a really difficult position by the state. And it's not Milwaukee's fault necessarily that it can't, you know, that it's losing shared revenue, that it's not able to have these local controls. So so when session starts next time, are you expecting a different conversation? than the one we've seen in recent years.
1: Yeah, I, I, I do, that's what I'm hoping for, that's what we're working towards, right? Um, we're working towards having the opportunity, having the ability to be able to draw additional revenues to um, to Milwaukee via a, a a sales tax, like virtually every other major city in the United States has the ability to do, and, and I'm not saying and or, I'm saying both and, you know, uh, increases in shared revenue. Right? when you look at, that funding which is you know one of the largest revenue sources for the city shared revenue of talking about you know it has steadily declined and have been flat for the past nearly 20 years even though the cost for services has continued to rise uh, I don't you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure out that that is unsustainable right and so we need them to answer the call and by the way it's not just milwaukee i mean we're obviously the the largest city in the state and milwaukee county is the largest county in the state but it isn't just us you know there are communities large and small across this state that are facing the same sort of problems the same sort of challenges Uh, last last year i traveled to rhinelander uh, for a meeting with the the joint finance committee uh, the state's budget writing committee and uh, i went there to tell them about the difficulties that we're having at the city to pay our bills and the county executive was there, and he said the same thing about uh, finances to Milwaukee County. Um, and instead of turning around and driving you know, you know, four hours back home, I sat and I listened for a little bit to the other leaders, superintendents of small school districts, mayors of medium-sized towns, and everybody's saying the same thing. They're saying to Madison that the way that you fund local governments just is not sustainable. It just simply does not work. And then what's more is that, Last year there was us there was a an op-ed that was written by the mayors of Madison uh, and the mayor of Brookfield. Now you know, I would imagine that the mayor of Madison is is a little over here, and the mayor of, of Brookfield is a little over here, um, diametrically opposed politi- politically. I would I would imagine. Uh, you can even set Madison aside; it's the second largest city. They've got similar problems to Milwaukee, just not at scale. Um, but wealthy Brookfield though? Like if, if the way to fund local government does not work for a community in Wisconsin as wealthy as Brookfield, then it just simply does not work. And we need the state to understand that because Milwaukee, uh, the city, Milwaukee, the county, uh, school districts and municipalities across the entire state are suffering. And it's only gonna be a matter of time if they don't change their ways that they're going to start inheriting whole municipalities, and I don't want to see that happen.
0: So another issue that I think has been part of this fraught relationship um, with the state is, you know, something that's obviously become into focus since the 2020 election is voting rights, and even just the simple acknowledgement of the validity of our votes here in Milwaukee. Uh, you know, obviously this is something that's ongoing. The Gableman investigation. Uh, "Quote unquote investigation is ongoing. Uh, Wisconsin Election Commission is in upheaval. We're hearing all sorts of proposals on the campaign campaign trail from Republicans. Uh, what some you know? Obviously, this is an election year. Wisconsin's going to be in the spotlight because of it. What can you do as the mayor to you know use the bully pulpit to defend Milwaukee's votes? And what other steps can you take to protect our votes and expand voting rights? In this sure to be contentious midterm election year,
1: yeah, thank you. I I think looking for opportunities, looking for ways to expand the opportunity for people to have access to voting, um, such as early voting, right? Um, Historically, we've had a number of early voting sites in Milwaukee, and I think that's great. Um, You know, I've worked with our elections uh, commission to explore expanding upon places where people may be able to vote early in the city because it's a great option. I mean, yeah, I don't know, maybe I should, but I don't know how or why it's, it became, you know, a Tuesday that folks had had to go vote, right? I mean, people have got jobs, they've got children, you know, some folks are, um, you know, trying to go back to school, trying to, you know, better their, their fortunes in life, but you've got to find some time in the middle of the week on a Tuesday to go cast a ballot. Well. I mean, if we have more opportunities for people to go cast their ballot, then that probably increases the likelihood that people will turn out. And that's a good thing for democracy, and we can't be afraid to say that. And, and I've not been afraid to say that. I recall you know, even during the campaign, um, my opponent at the time uh, called into question whether or not the uh, 2020 election was fair and transparent and above board. And I thought him on that, and I said, absolutely, 100% the election that we had in the city of Milwaukee was fair, it was transparent, and it was administered properly. And we need our leaders to stand up and to say that and not be afraid to do that because people's access to the ballot is critically important for cities like Milwaukee, states like Wisconsin, and for our country to survive and be able to thrive. But obviously what's happened since 2020 is a little bit different.
0: Uh, You know, I think there was a statistic in a recent New (laughs) York Times article that said, you know more than seventy percent of state legislature of state Republican sh- state legislators have called into question the validity validity of our votes, and so often that that target is on on Milwaukee. What can what can we do to push back on that?
1: Um, uh, you mean we could work to make sure that we elect people in other areas, or put pressure on our friends and our family members who live in outside areas who are calling into question the, the validity of. Uh, sound and fair, transparent elections, right? Uh, so that's something uh, politically that each and every single one of us uh, can do. You now, we can also continue to raise our voices. Like I said, you don't have to be the mayor of a city um, or a member of the common council in order to raise your voice and say, "Hey, you know, we're doing things the right way, and we want our votes to be counted." You know, um, and and tell your stories if you're if you're out there. And I encourage people to do this because more and more. And we're seeing people utilize early voting as a way to cast their ballots, right? So, you know, we get a lot of uh, those early ballots that come in and those have to be processed. Um, it takes a whole team of people in order to be able to process those ballots. On election night in 2020, you know, I was the, the city council president at the time, but I rolled up my sleeves and I went to do a shift uh, over at Central Count with thousands and thousands, I believe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of ballots uh, that were cast. And I'll tell you, you know, when I came across a ballot that voted for Donald Trump, I treated that ballot with the same attention and the same care that I treated ballots that voted for Joe Biden. So, if you're out there and you're volunteering and you're civically engaged, then raise your voice and let them know that they're wrong.
0: Okay, so I want to I want to turn to I want to switch gears a little bit here. I want to turn to one of the biggest issues in the city right now and that's violent crime. Uh, There have already been more than 90 homicides in the city of Milwaukee in 2022. Uh, After seeing some progress on this issue in the late 2010s, when numbers were in decline, the trend is in reverse with record highs uh, over the last few years. When you became acting mayor uh, in late December, you talked about how you would not be treating the job like an interim role. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you've been acting mayor or elected mayor for close to six months now. You've had some time to get a better understanding of the challenges the city is facing. So what's your big picture assessment of of this issue with violent crime in the city right now? What is happening
1: and what can we do about it? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, look, there are some deep-seated root cause problems to the crime and the violence that we see in Milwaukee. I mean, that's just just plainly said. Um, But if you put your history hat on and you look back at where Milwaukee was and what kind of city this was, you know, years ago when folks had access to uh, family-sustaining jobs, it wasn't the case. It just wasn't, right? When folks in this community had access to family-supporting jobs, we had the highest quality of life for African Americans in the United States. Right? And when you think about when uh, you see heat maps where a lot of the the, the deadly homicides happen, it's in those neighborhoods that are now devoid of having family supporting job opportunities. So, you know, what I want to see is this I want to see us to address issues at their root. And every single time that I get the chance uh, to go in front of a room of business executives, just like I was this afternoon, you know, I talk about the need. For partnership there too, um, and for those business executives to make sure that if they've got employees that they're paying their employees, especially if they're city residents, a family-supporting wage. You know, too often you got folks trying to work two and three jobs, trying to make ends meet, trying to keep a roof over their head, trying to keep food on the table and clothes, you know, on their kids' back. It, you know, all these things are interconnected. And my belief is this, and it, it's not just a belief. I think I, I, I know it well enough because. Because I was that kid, I grew up in those hard-hit neighborhoods, I know this, right? When there is stability in the lives of parents, particularly, right? You know, folks who are able to go out there and work. When they don't have the financial stress, they're able to stay in one place. They're not moving around, They're, they're, they're not transient, their neighborhoods are not porous. And when those neighborhoods are not poorest, then guess what? Uh, Folks are able to purchase their homes and then build relationships with the people who live around them. They're not just people that happen to live in the same places them they actually become neighbors you actually begin to know them develop relationships with them and when folks start doing that and neighborhoods become cohesive and they begin to gel and folks start looking out start looking out for each other well that's how you get to true public safety so that is a huge part of the equation and you know i am working daily constantly um, when i have uh, conversations with business executives to bring those sort of jobs here and you know i am constantly in communication with Uh, the department of city development as well about how we might be able to uh, turn the tide here and attract new family supporting jobs to this city because it is too important for us to gloss over the fact that in our neighborhoods we don't have the stability that we should in order to get to the public safety that all of us want to see in milwaukee so i think i think you made a really good important
0: point there about the family supporting jobs and i think that is You know, kind of plays into the long-term view of of of, you know changes in Milwaukee. But I think a lot of what we're seeing, you know, particularly over over the past three years, it's not just the the violent crime that's increased. It's stolen cars, uh, it's things like that. You know, and over the past three years, I think people want to see people want to see that tide turn, obviously. Um, So, what are some of the things that we can do in the short term? I think one of the things that we we heard about in the campaign was. You know, talking about how to fully fund the Office of Violence Prevention, how to fully implement the Blueprint for Peace. You know, What are the obstacles to making things like that happen, some of those community-based solutions?
1: Well, um, so there are a number of things that we can do um, in the immediate term, um, and we've been active on a number of those things in the immediate term, so I've got to keep my eye on being able to... to, to address the root cause issues because otherwise we're just going to keep growing these flowers, these, these plants, these weeds rather, um, that you know, we want pruned in our neighborhoods um, so that's important for us to keep you know, a, a focused eye on the prize for that uh, in the short term, yeah I mean there are a, a number of things, um, including you know policing for you know, folks who are driving recklessly look um, if folks are driving recklessly on our streets, it's not you or I that's going to go out and catch them. Right, it's going to be the it's going to be law enforcement, it's going to be, be police. And so, you know, I partnered even before I got to the mayor's office uh, with uh, the, the chief and MPD to to launch this traffic safety unit that has had over 20,000 interactions with individuals driving recklessly on streets throughout Milwaukee. I think that's important. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I joined up with a whole host of youth-serving organizations. You often hear this story that there's nothing for young people in Milwaukee to do. Um, well, Milwaukee is actually pretty resource-rich when it comes to opportunities for kids to do things uh, in this city. And so uh, we worked with these youth serving organizations to say, hey, you, know, you can play midnight basketball, you can swim, you, know, you can go eat, you can have conflict resolution, you can go to a maker space, you can work. Uh, we're working on a program right now, uh, as a matter of fact, to uh, reach into that population of young people that we just can't seem to, 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 to get those kids between 10 uh, and 13 years old who are not eligible right now to get a work permit, but who are out here still in cars. We're working uh, in a program to engage those young people so that uh, they have a positive outlet this this summer right now. So there's a whole host of things, including the Office of Violence Prevention as well, uh, that we're working to beef up. Okay, so last big topic that I wanna get into, uh,
0: this will probably come as a surprise to no one, but is infrastructure and highways. <laughs> yeah. Um, So obviously big news a few weeks ago uh, that the state, city, and county are beginning a process to, in an official capacity at least, to reimagine the future of the stadium freeway. Uh, So big picture, what is your vision for reimagining this freeway? What do you want to see happen? What's the best case scenario for this project?
1: well there's going to be a lot of community conversation uh, around that, so i'm looking forward to, to to hearing and seeing what folks in the community have to say um, about that I, I think overall though i mean it''s it's, it's it is exciting, especially when we think about you know what's happened downtown in the deer district and what uh, you know that brought to that area downtown that you know once upon a time was dormant was sleepy was dead even you know um, so i'm interested to see. What the possibilities are there? Certainly, um, when that is rebuilt, you know, my mind goes to you know making sure that if this is going to be a new street, um, that we have the infrastructure that everybody's been asking for, and that we do it the right way. That we have uh, bike lanes that are. Uh, elevated or protected, uh, that we make sure that the street is not designed just for vehicles, but it's actually designed for people, that there's greater connectivity with the assets that we have in that area, including Washington Park, uh, that we work with the brewers to see if we can capitalize on you know, some of the Things that we know that work in other stadium and arena districts around the country, including here, and possibly have something like a, a, a beer district um, in, in an area like that. Yeah, those are things I want to see. You want to see the beer district? I, I want to see a beer district. I think it's cool. I, I like the deer district, so I'm thinking I like the, the a yeah. beer district. I, 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 do, I mostly drink root beer, but that's all right, though, right? Yeah.
0: Uh, you mentioned at the, at the event. Uh, when you announced this this partnership with the state, um, that it is, quote, time to correct the infrastructure flaws of our predecessor. What are some of those other flaws and how can they be corrected?
1: Um, yeah, again, I think that generally speaking, um, we have not designed our infrastructure around people. It's been around moving cars as quickly as we can from one point to the next point. And, you know, to me, you know, that's not what cities are supposed to be. That's not what cities are meant for. You know, you're supposed to experience cities. You're supposed to walk in cities. You're supposed to get a, a vibe and a feeling and experience the vibrancy of cities. It's not supposed to be just a, a medium from that you pass through to get from one suburb to the next. Um, I don't want to see that and I think, you know, that's the, that's you know one of the biggest parts of the legacy of the past that was incorrect that we have to work collectively together to change moving forward is 794 another highway you would like to see change to would you like to see that torn down <laughs> um, you know in my heart of hearts I would love to see that happen um, I understand though um, that unfortunately it with 794 or the the spur from the Hone to the market interchange rather that it's got 75 years worth of life that's on it still um this were my conversations because i really dug into this because i talked about this a lot that's something that I, that i want to see especially considering the fact that you know madison handcuffs us in terms of our ability to generate revenue so that being down presents more opportunity for us to have development which would generate property tax uh revenue for the city so th- this these are the things that i'm thinking but the fact that it's got 75 years worth of life uh, left on it makes it you know, a, 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 a very tall task. Not that you know, we shouldn't have those conversations, um, but I think it becomes difficult when you think about the fact that we're not even given right now you know, the opportunity to levy a sales tax that would only affect people who choose to dine and shop here in the city, and we haven't even gotten that cooperation from Madison yet. So we're back to that the
0: beginning where we started here, just talking about how we're in this difficult position and, and we need to rebuild that partnership, I guess.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm working at doing it. Look, I don't know uh, when the last time, again, within a month span, that you had the speaker of the assembly and the uh, state senate leader um, in the mayor's office having these conversations about what's important to Milwaukee and also making the linkage that what happens in Milwaukee has an outsized effect and is also important to the entire state of Wisconsin. That's the message that we're trying to get across and I believe that we can be successful in doing it. It'll take time, it's been 20 years of, of bad relationships with Madison, but I, I'm committed to doing it and I'm hoping that you know we'll have the partnership on the other side to make it happen as well.
0: All right. If we have a couple more minutes, uh, I would like to open it up for some questions from you folks up here. And if you could come up, I'm going to come out with the microphone so everybody can hear you. So if you have a question, uh, uh, come on up by the by the boards here, uh, and we'll uh, we'll try and get you the microphone. There he is. All right, we got one here. Mayor. Hi, Hi. So you talked about. Talking to business execs and trying to get them to bring jobs from existing companies into the city. Have you done any work or looked at making it easier to start
1: new small businesses within the city? Streamlining permits, assisting with that process, zoning, economic gardening—anything in that realm? Yeah, that's that's a great uh, question. I've uh, talked about and uh, am looking to explore uh, ways to make sure that when somebody is looking to start a business in Milwaukee that there's a one-stop shop. It, it shouldn't be that, it shouldn't be that, you know, if you're trying to start a business and you need resources uh, to do that, that you gotta go to the Department of City of Development, then you gotta turn around and go to Milwaukee County for whatever resources they may have, then you gotta turn around and go to WEDC at the state to see what resources they have, then you have to turn around and go to WIBIC to see what resources they have. Like. Why can't we just not streamline that so that there's a one-stop shop to make the customer service experience for folks who are growing businesses in Milwaukee easier and better? I think that's something that we can do and something that uh, that we're looking at now. We have enough, any more questions here? Bob,
0: If anybody else has questions, just come on and stand up right over here, please. Thanks. Hello. Home is rare. Um, so my question is: Given that um, 30, around 30 percent of Milwaukee households don't have access to a car, and that owner, car ownership costs upwards of $10,000 year, a year, how much is building safe, non-car transportation infrastructure an equity issue, as well as all the other kind of things that are pushed for?
1: It's 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 a huge equity issue. I just went um, just this morning on a five-mile bike ride through the west side, starting at, starting at uh, Sherman Park and uh, going through other parts of the west side. And look, um, my belief is that folks should have access. You know, they shouldn't be uh, locked into a certain place or have to travel, as somebody pointed out on the bike ride, you have 20 miles in order to get to a family-supporting job. It certainly is an equity issue. And so th- that's why every time I sit down with uh, our Department of Public Works, you know, I'm constantly reminding, constantly pushing, constantly saying that we've got to have people-centered development in Milwaukee, you know, development that works to make sure that there are protected bike lanes, that there are elevated bike lanes, uh, to stop the issue of reckless driving, yes, but also to make sure that folks have better access to the things that all the people who have access to an automobile have, um, and to do that in the city, right? when. When you have that people-centered development that happens in neighborhoods, I'm talking about infrastructure investment, then, you know, private development then follows. It creates vibrancy. And then, you know, those sort of things that people want to see uh, open up in neighborhoods and make them more accessible. That's that's what we should be aiming for in Milwaukee. Okay.
0: Thank you. Uh, So you were talking about shared revenue and that you've been been trying to make the case with people in Madison. So would you, um, just your your elevator speech, as it were, of how you, you would explain and how we may be able to explain to other people how we can get the balance of shared revenue that would that would help cities like Milwaukee, but also some of the other ones you were mentioning, because it it must be that some people are happy with the status quo the way it is. But how could we? How can people be convinced that a change would be better?
1: You know, when I was an alderman, um, and my constituents would complain to me about you know some issue that uh, ultimately uh, we dealt with the consequence of, but it was ultimately the responsibility of the state. You know, I encourage them to reach out to me, and certainly I would raise my voice to it. Um, but I think that the people in Madison, particularly the leadership, right, uh, the, the folks that I talked about you know, in this conversation, they don't hear often enough from regular people who may not be their own constituents, but people across the state who suffer from the consequences of the, the, the laws that they pass. Right. So one of the things that I think anybody can do is to pick up the phone, to pick up the phone, to write a letter, to send an email. Uh, if you're in Madison, stopping by office and saying, yes, I, I, I live in Milwaukee or I do business in Milwaukee. But, you know, and, and you're not my representative or you're not my senator. But this is the way that, you know, the laws that you enact impact my life, impact my quality of life, not as a Milwaukeean, but as a Wisconsinite. They have, to rem- they have to remember that too—that the people who live in this city are Wisconsinites as well. A whole 10 percent or so of the state's population is right here within our corporate limits, and they should have the chance to to thrive as well. But you know, the leadership in Madison needs to hear that more than just from you know elected officials who they think are probably sometimes just whining about stuff just to whine. There are real consequences to the decisions that they make, and they should hear from. that you hear directly from people who uh, are impacted by those decisions.
0: Just to follow up on that, I think a very smart person in Milwaukee once told me that participation is a power agent. Remember that, I'll say that one more time. Participation is a power agent. So the more you can get involved, the more things can happen. you already answered a few questions about this, but I was hoping you could elaborate a little bit more. You said there's 20,000 interactions with the public safety task force as part of the uh, related to safer streets and safer reckless driving. Is there any data being kept on some of those interactions and any action plans outside of MPD or any uh, common themes that citizens should be aware of? Uh,
1: are there any, I'm sorry, are there any data points outside the 20,000 yeah, or so?
0: Is there publicly available data for those 20,000 interactions or do we know more since it is such a new um, initiative?
1: Um, I, I think possibly the best place to go and get information would be the the uh, municipal court system because when the police write those tickets, write those citations, that's where they go for adjudication. So um, that I think would be the best place to get further information on that. Sorry, Paula, were
0: all those 20,000 interactions through also necessarily tickets and uh, publicly available information or was that
1: just 20,000 touch points? um i believe they were a combination of education because not everybody who's driving recklessly like has a record right so you don't want to hit somebody hard um who doesn't need to be hit hard as a short story you know on the bike ride that i was on this morning um you know i we rode past this corner store when i was a kid that um, i was hanging out with the wrong crowd and i was still in gummy worms um yeah i was still in gummy worms I, i said it um and so um, the, the clerk caught me because I kept going in and out. I was a terrible thief. Um, he sat me down and he just talked to me, and that's all I needed was a talking to. And I never stole anything ever again. But the folks who keep coming in there and keep doing bad things, well, then they need something else. So they're the ones that get citations. So I think it's a combination of education as well as citations.
0: Thank you.
1: Yep. We'll keep going until he cuts off. Gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> Hi, right, so I was just kind of wondering why we haven't adopted the NAVCO guidelines for road design instead of staying with ASHCO. I mean, I'm an engineer, at least for my eye, ASHCO is kind of ancient at this point, And NAVCO much more, it serves the interests of the city and our population much better than the ASHCO guidelines do, and I think will in the future as well. Um, that's a question I have to get back to you on. I mean, obviously we're, we're working on so many issues as, as it relates to our streets. Um, you know, I was uh, just a couple of months ago uh, out with uh, the Department of Public Works um, talking about some of the investments that we're making to curb reckless driving, having pin-on bump-outs in places where uh, some of the more egregious reckless driving activity happens. There's still more work to do. Um, I have led the effort even before I came to this office on. Vision Zero, so we're moving forward uh, on on that. Uh, but there still is more work to do. I, I I will be the first to admit. I think that we need a we need an overhaul and how our infrastructure is laid out. Because as I said previously, um, historically, not just in Milwaukee but cities like it across the country, you know, our investment in infrastructure has been more designed for cars as opposed to as opposed to for people. Hey, is this going to be our last question, then? Okay.
0: Hey Mayor, thank you very much for being here. I just wanted to ask a question regarding the uh, bid for the 2024 uh, RNC here in Milwaukee. As a lifelong Milwaukee resident, you know, I certainly appreciate the economic benefit that this could bring to our city and also you talked about repairing some of the relationships with the state government. However, as a Democratic voter, I'm very concerned with the direction of the National Republican Party spouting uh, conspiracy theories, uh, voter suppression, and white replacement racist uh, tropes. So, how is the mayor you balance concerns about those things with the positive aspects that might be able to come out for our city in terms of supporting
1: that? Um, that's a great question, and I knew somebody was going to ask about the RNC before I got out of here. So, thank you. Um, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, there is a significant economic windfall that will that will come to Milwaukee as a result of hosting the RNC, just like there would have been had we hosted the DNC. And I was in favor of hosting the DNC for that reason. I'm in favor of hosting the RNC uh, for that reason too. I think it presents an opportunity to support businesses that are existing. I think it presents an opportunity to support businesses that are growing, that are expanding in our city. I think it also presents an opportunity to put money, real dollars into the pockets of people who have been the hardest hit by COVID, by the pandemic, people who work Uh, in our hotels and in our restaurants and our bars. Um, Those folks, again, who have been battered. And I think it presents an opportunity for us to have a a new foundation, a new bedrock to draw other large-scale sports, entertainment, uh, convention activity here in Milwaukee. That's what I want to see. I said I want to grow the population. I want to see more growth. I want to see more development. I want to see Milwaukee in the headlines. I want to see Milwaukee in the spotlight. Usually our city isn't even considered for things like this at all. Now we are, and I don't wanna go back where Milwaukee becomes flyover country and is not even considered for stuff like this. I'm done with that. Like Milwaukee needs to come up. I think this helps us to do it. Now, you mentioned that you're a Democratic voter. Well, so am I, so am I. And I think that the RNC being here presents an opportunity for you to have a microphone and to say that on the world stage. You know, So for those folks who are concerned about the Republican Party nationally, if the convention were to come here, more than any other place in America, you've got the opportunity to stand up and say Republicans are wrong about X, Y, or Z, and have the attention of the entire world on you in the place where they're hosting the convention. or to All
0: right, I think I guess that will wrap it up here. The mayor has been very generous with his time. So Thank you, hand. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for being here. Uh, just FYI we've got some renderings up here of the new Riverwalk that's going to be planned right out here uh, along the Harbor District. Some of the folks from the architecture firm are here to answer your questions about that as well. Uh, so thank you all for being here and uh, let's all continue to Recompopulate. populate Thanks. <laughs>